chapter 5 this morning, Galatians chapter number 5, and uh, I count it a privilege every time I get the opportunity to preach for pastor while he is away, and uh, I enjoy this. Um, it's always a little difficult because I don't ever get the chance to uh, uh, start a series or, or be in a series or anything like that, so I have to come up with one message uh, that God lays on my heart, and sometimes there's so many things going on, and sometimes I feel like I just can't, I, I just can't preach just one message. I need, I need like two or three week, weeks uh, so I can get it all done, but uh, nonetheless, I appreciate the opportunity, and uh, it is a privilege for me to be able to stand up here and preach the Word of God to you this morning. Thank you for being here, and do keep passion in your prayers. I know he appreciates it, uh, but I know that uh, he needs the time away as well, and uh, I know that they're enjoying time with their family, so Uh, Galatians chapter 5, everyone there? Let's start reading in verse number 16, and we're going to talk this morning about nine marks discovering uh, true Christian character in our lives. And we're going to look through, uh, we're not going to get into the actual fruit of the Spirit too much this morning, but really uh, the the basis of of what happens right before we talk about the fruit of the Spirit. And, uh, And what do we need in our lives uh, that will please Christ, that will help us to live in a way that exemplifies the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. And so uh, let's look at this morning, let's start in verse number 16, and uh, we'll read down uh, through verse number 26. The Bible says, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary the one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. But if ye be led of the Spirit, ye are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, or are made known, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. That's a very long list of a lot of Uh, what we consider probably very bad things that we should do, right there at the very end, though, of that list, and such like. It kind of just says, okay, now, if if you don't happen to be one of those specific things, just remember anything that's of the flesh and such like, uh, it's all of the flesh, it's all sin, all right? Of the which I tell you, continues, of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lust. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not be desirous of vainglory, provoking one another, envying one another. Go back, look at verse number 16 again. And let's read verse number 16 out loud together this morning, all right? Everyone ready? Here we go. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And that's that's the crux of this whole thing. If we're walking in the Spirit, you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for the opportunity this morning to preach your word. And Lord, I pray that it would be a blessing and encouragement, but also a challenge to us this morning that we would live ever more like Christ, that, uh, Lord, we would walk every single day, uh, Lord, as much as we can in the power of the Spirit of God in our lives. 
And Lord, may we not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Lord, teach us this morning, convict hearts. Lord, if there's one here today that is still not, does not know Christ as their Savior, Lord, I pray that today would be the day of salvation for them. And Lord, I pray that you blessings would be upon this service. Lord, take me out of the way. And uh, Lord, use the words that are spoken to touch hearts. Lord, let the Spirit of God have free course in this place today. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. What is character? As we, as we think about these nine marks, as we think about the, the fruit of the Spirit, the different traits that are brought forth, discovering true Christian character in our life, what is character to start with? How would we, how would we define character? Well, character is how you live when no one is watching. That's the most simplistic definition uh, that I've ever been told in my life. It's what you do. It's, you know, it's uh, character and integrity go hand in hand. And as we have integrity in our lives, as we live according to the character that Christ wants us to in our lives, that's really living how we do when no one else is around, when no one else is watching. Because Christ is always there, and Christ is always watching. And so if we're living according to the Spirit of God in our lives, if we're living this Christian character in our lives, then we're living like Christ wants us to, even when no one else is around but only Christ. See, usually what it is, usually we fulfill the lust of the flesh when no one is around. We feel like no one is watching, no one is here, no one is around. I can, I can do this, I can get away with this, I, I can fulfill the lust that I have in my life right now, whatever it may be, and I can get away with it. But who is always watching? Christ is always there. God is always watching. God always sees what we are doing. And so character... True Christian character is what we do and how we live when no one is there, when no one is watching. Joseph is a perfect example of that because when he was sold into slavery and he was sent off to Egypt, how did he live? He lived for the Lord. He lived for God. And in a place when, when anyone would have had an excuse to live in a way that was not pleasing to God, it would have been Joseph. Sold, he was away from his family, he was in a foreign land. Nobody would have known any different if he had just lived according to his flesh, but he chose to live as God wanted him to live, regardless of the circumstance or the situation that he was in, when no one else was watching. And so character in our lives is how we live when no one is watching. And this matter of living in the Spirit, following the Spirit, and not our flesh, is something that is of great importance of our life if we're going to have true victory and true joy and true peace and, and, and everything else that goes along with living as Christ wants us to live. We'll see the, 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 the fruit of that is the fruit of the Spirit. And, you know, as, as we think about the, the Spirit and the flesh, um, I, I've always kind of imagined it as, uh, you see in the little cartoons, you see the little shoulder angels that pop up? And you see, you know, the angel pops up on this side and the, and the little guy with the horns and the pitchfork pops up on this side. And, and they, they kind of just argue back and forth. And you got one in this ear and you got one in this ear. That's, that's really, if you think about it, that's exactly the way our flesh and our spirit go at it. You know, on this side, we're getting ready, you know, we're, we're being tempted to do something. And the spirit pops up and he says, no, that's not right. That's not pleasing to the Lord. Don't do that. And then you got the little guy on the other side that pops up and says, but give in, you'll like it. There, there's pleasure there. there it's enjoyment. It, it's going gonna, it's gonna to bring fun. Right? And, and so they go back and forth. 
they argue with each other. And eventually you have to make a decision and, and the shoulder angels disappear and there's a little cloud of smoke and, and they're gone and, and you're left with a decision. Am I going to do what the angel said or am I going to do what the little devil said? Am I going to do what my spirit wants or am I going to do what the flesh wants? And, uh, you know, there, there's, a, there's an old story about the, um, an Indian chief and uh, he's able to go to these, these dog fights and he's always able to pick the winner. He says, that, that's, that's, that dog right there, that's going to be the winner. And somebody came to him one day and he said, how do you always know which dog is going to win? He said, well, it's the one that I feed the most. It's the one that gets fed the night before, right? He knows. And, and, and as we give into the flesh, we're feeding the flesh. The flesh is going to win. But as we live according to the Spirit, we feed the Spirit and the Spirit has the strength to win that battle. But the more and more that we give into the flesh, and the more and more that we live after the flesh, the less and less likely we are to choose what the Spirit of God wants us to do in our lives. Whatever we feed, whatever we give into, whatever we allow to have the strength in our life is going to get the victory. And the Bible tells us right here in verse number 16, This I say, then walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. That's a command that is given to us. It's not an option for us to walk in the Spirit. Because God knows the only way that we're going to live a life that is pleasing to Him is if we do it in the power of the Spirit of God in our lives. As He said, you know, we, we talked a little bit on, on Wednesday night uh, about um, just, just doing the right thing. You know, and... and as we talked about that, one of the verses we talked about uh, was, in, was in, I believe it was in First Peter, uh, where it talks about where God said, Be ye holy as I am holy, in all manner of conversation. Well, we're not going to live sinless life. We're not going to live a perfect, holy life as Christ lived. Okay? The only way that would be possible is if we lived in the power of the Spirit every single day. Every minute of every single day. Every second that we are awake. But that is not possible in the world we live in. As we have the natural man that is still there, the sinful nature that is still there, the, the, the battle of the flesh and the spirit and the conflict that is there, it's impossible to do that. Eventually, we're going to give in. But we should strive to feed and to give as much strength to the spiritual side of our nature as we possibly can so that we live according to the Spirit and not according to the lust of the flesh in our life. So how do we do this? How do we, do we have a life that bears the marks of the fruit of the Spirit in our life? How do we have this true Christian character in our life? Number one, we've got to heed the warning about the flesh. We've got to heed the warning about the flesh. Look at verse number 19. The Bible says, Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these? And then it goes into this long list of all of the different ways in which our flesh manifests itself on an outward scale. In verse number 21, he says, And such like, of the which I tell you before, as I've also told you in time past, that they which do these things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Heed the warning about the flesh. The flesh is a powerful thing. Is it not? We, we all deal with it on a regular basis. Every single day, every single one of us in this room, 
struggles with the pull of the flesh in our lives. We do. Because we are human beings, because we have a sinful nature. And we've got to realize that we do struggle with the flesh. We do struggle with that battle that is there. And so we've got to heed the warning that God gives to us here in this passage. There's two reasons that we would live according to the flesh. The first one is the natural person. The natural person. Romans 8 verses 5 and 6 says this, For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. They that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. They that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. He gives us the warning here in Galatians chapter number 5, but he tells us in the book of Romans that what you, that, that's the perfect example about the, 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 the fighting dogs. Those who give to the flesh are going to be after the flesh, and those who give to the Spirit are going to be after the Spirit. What you give yourself to, that's, what you are, that's what's going to have the strength. That's what's going to have the power in our lives to fulfill itself. Okay, And so the warning is to be careful of that. To be careful of that. And, and the two reasons that we're going to give into the spirit or the flesh in our life is, number one, is because of this natural man. Now, the natural person, as we see it in Scripture, is talking about the person before salvation. The human being, the, the, the natural person in his natural state, as he is born in Christ, uh, born in, in, the, in the flesh, born into this world, okay, he has the sin nature. And until he trusts Christ as his Savior, there is no power of the Spirit in their life. There is no giving into the Spirit. There is no walking after the Spirit. 1 Corinthians 2.14 talks about this natural person. It says, But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. The natural man doesn't have the Spirit of God yet. The natural man can't discern between the flesh and the Spirit yet, because the Spirit of God is not living inside of him. So the first way that we're going to live after the flesh is if we don't have the Spirit at all, if we're not saved, if we are still uh, unsaved, we're still not a child of God. But the second way that we live after the flesh is with the carnal man. Keep that, keep that picture up there for just a second. Sorry. The, the self-directed life as a natural person, if you look at it up here, uh, self is on the throne, and if you see the little cross, it's on the outside of the circle. Okay, the circle is our life. The, the little dots that are in the circle are the interests that are directed by self, often resulting in discord and frustration in our life. That, that's the person, but that's the natural man. He does not have Christ in his life yet. So everything in his life is the flesh. Everything in his life are the interests that are directed by himself. Okay? But then as we get to this carnal person, the carnal man in his life, 1 Corinthians chapter 3 says, And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as babes in Christ. I have fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto you were not able to bear it, neither yet are ye able, for ye are yet carnal. 
For whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are ye not carnal and walk as men? This is, this is if you go to the next one, the, the next picture there, this is still a self-directed life. All right, this is still, self is still on the throne, but if you see the cross, the cross is now inside the circle. This is a person that has trusted Christ, but they are still seeking after their own interests. They are still self-directing their life. They're not allowing God to be on the throne and giving him control. And what does it result in? It results in, 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 in attitudes that are not right. It results in impure thoughts. It results in jealousy, in guilt, in worry, in discouragement, in critical spirits, in frustration, aimlessness. I, I don't know where to go. Why? Because God is not directing the life. God is not on the throne. Ignorance of our spiritual heritage, unbelief, disobedience, uh, loss of love for God and others, a, a poor prayer life. Uh, you know, if we're living in the flesh and we're living after sin, what does the Bible talk about with, with, in regards to prayer when that's true? If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord does not hear me. And so, you know, it's, it's going to have a, a prayer life where we seem like nothing, there's nothing availing itself. God's not working. Is there any wonder? He's not on the throne. We're not giving him control in our lives. There's no desire for Bible study in our lives. There's no desire for the word that, you know, there's a loss of, of desire for church and being around God's people. When there's sin in our life, why would we want to be around other Christians who are going to challenge us to be more like Christ? There's no desire for any of those things. And so the flesh begins to rob us of what the Spirit wants to give to us. Of the blessings and the benefits and the things that come from being and walking after the Spirit of God. That's the carnal person. This is the, the carnality. You know, Paul is saying here in Corinthians, he's saying, look, I, I want to speak unto you as unto spiritual. I, I want to give you more. I want, to, I want to teach you some deeper truths. I want to, I want to help you with this issue in your life. I, I want to, but I can't because you can't handle it. You're not, you're not there yet. You haven't grown to the place where you can take some meat and some bread. You're still a babe in Christ. You're, you're still taking milk. When you should be, you know, the, the Bible tells us in other places, when, when, when we should be teaching, when we should be imparting truth to other people, and yet we're still just a babe in Christ. We're still just on milk. And some of us live that way. Some of us, you know, we come to church every single week. But what is changing in your life? What good is church if we're not changing our lives to be more like Christ? What good is coming and, and getting told and, and, and receiving the word of God into our lives if we're just hearing it and we're not doing it? There is no benefit to that. Right? I mean, you might get something by coming to church. You might be encouraged. But if we don't change... If we don't live like Christ wants us to live, if we don't start bearing these marks of the fruit of the Spirit in our lives, if we don't develop this Christian character that we, that we should have, what's the point? 
We're coming and we're existing and we're sitting here and we're filling a seat in the church. That's great. But God wants so much more. God doesn't want us to come in and leave and stay exactly as we arrived in these doors. He wants us to leave this place and be changed and do more for Christ. To go out and witness, to go out and win souls for Christ. To, to grow to the place where you can be involved and you can teach and you can help others. And you're not thinking about, I'm just coming to church for me, but I'm coming to church so that I can invest in somebody else. I can help somebody else that's there. I can help some, I can give a, I can meet a need where there's a need. And sometimes we just, we just seem to exist. We, we, we've gotten saved, we've maybe grown a little, and we reach this plateau in our life, and, and we're just kind of coasting. We're just kind of living life. But there's no joy in that. There's no peace in that. There's no spiritual blessing in that. There's nothing in that that God wants other than the fact that you are saved. Other than the fact that you're on your way to heaven. What God wants is for us to leave this carnal life behind and live and walk after the Spirit of God. Verse 16, this I say then, walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. We've got to get to the point where we leave the, the carnal, where we leave the flesh behind and we start living after the Spirit. How many of you struggle with living in the Spirit of God? Okay? I've used this illustration probably just about every single time I get up here, and maybe it's getting old. But I tell you, traffic lights, that will test the Spirit of God every single time. It just does. You know, people, all of you guys, you guys test the Spirit. <laughs> people in general, I mean, we go, we go to work. We come to church, what happens? We meet people. Anybody else get irritated by people? All of you, now all of you guys, you guys are, you guys are saints, you guys are angels. You know, there's no issues with, with you guys, right? Better watch out. But seriously, you know, in, 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 somebody once said that the gospel light attracts strange bugs. Ministry is people. Sometimes we go, you know, I wish, I wish there was just a season in ministry where there wasn't a problem to deal with. If that was the case, then there wouldn't be any people. Because where there's people, there's problems. Because we all live, and we all deal with, and we all struggle with living the flesh or living the spirit. It's the way it is. But we've got to get to the place where the spirit is getting the victory, where we're yielding to the Spirit and we're not fulfilling the lust of the flesh. When that begins to happen, we can do number two, we can understand the traits of the Spirit. We've got to understand the traits of the Spirit of God, the, these, these traits in our life, the, 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 the trait of having biblical character in our life. These, these nine marks, if you will, okay, John chapter, 15, John chapter 15, if you want to turn back there, I put it in your notes, but 
John chapter 15, verse number 1 says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away, and every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye, except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit, for without me ye can do nothing. The traits of the fruit of the Spirit, or the traits of living after the Spirit of God, is exactly what John tells us here. As, as I put myself in Christ, as I live in Christ, as I read God's Word, as I come to church, as I pray, as I develop that relationship with Christ that He wants developed, as I am in the vine, as I am attached, I'm going to bear fruit. That's what Jesus is saying. I am the vine, and my Father is the husbandman. My Father, God, God the Father, He is the one that is taking care of the vine. He is the, the caretaker of it. Jesus is the vine, and as we are attached to Him, we bring forth fruit. But He says here, if, 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 if someone is not in Christ, if someone is not attached to the vine, they're not going to bring forth fruit. Right? And they're taken and they're, they're cast aside. It goes on later in the chapter. It talks about the fact that they will, they will be burned up in the fire. They're cast in the fire because, because there's, there's no need for them. They're, they're dead. They're, they're, they're not attached to anything. There's no nutrients there. Okay? Same thing we do, we do here in, in Florida. You, you know, you, yeah, well, anywhere. You have to, to trim back the trees. A tree branch that dies, it breaks off and it falls to the ground. What do you do with it? You trash it. You don't go back up in the tree and say, you know, I got to, let's get a nail. We'll, we'll tack this back up there. Maybe it'll get something and reattach itself. It's, it's cast aside. It's put on a fire. It's burned up. Palm trees or palm fronds don't burn very well. They just don't. I don't know, I don't know why that is. Uh, branches burn well. Um, that's what Christ, that's what God the Father's job is, is to take care of that and to, to weed out those things that are not necessary. But the person that is attached to the vine, that is in Christ and is bringing forth fruit, what do you do with it? He purges it. He cuts it back. He trims it. We have, we have hedges all around this church property. They constantly need to be trimmed. As you trim them, they seem to grow faster, and they seem to get higher and bigger, and the, the branches get thicker and harder to trim and cut back. But that's the goal of the Christian life, is that as God trims us, as God purges us, as God puts us through difficulty and through trial and grows us and brings us, as Job said, that I may come forth as gold. As God puts us through those things and allows those things into our life to grow us, to bring us to be more like Christ, as He's purging us, as He's cutting us back, well, what happens? We should bring forth even more fruit. We should grow even more. We should become even stronger in Christ. 
just as a branch that is being purged back. And the traits of the Spirit, if you go back to Galatians, it's fruit, it's not works. One of the, one of the greatest traits of living and being in the Spirit is that it's, it's fruit, it's not works. I don't do these things just to bear fruit. As I live in Christ, the natural end result should be fruit-bearing. Obviously, some things have to be done to be able to do that. Okay, I have to witness to somebody to bring forth the fruit of salvation. Okay, I have to live in a way, live after the flesh, or live after the spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Okay, as I do that, somebody might come up to me and might wonder and say, "Hey, why is your life so different? Why don't you do that? Why do you do that?" My life is bearing forth, bringing forth fruit. Okay, so just living, if you're just living after the Spirit of God and attached to the vine, a natural response to that should be fruit-bearing. Okay, now, is works part of that? Yes, but works do not attach us to the vine. Right? Okay, works are not part of salvation. If I'm the natural man, what has to happen is I have to place my faith in Christ. When that happens and I start to live after the Spirit, the natural response then is I've been attached to the vine and I start to bring forth fruit in my life. Fruit comes in all different forms. It's not just that I'm witnessing and I'm leading people to Christ. That's not the only fruit. As we see in Galatians, the fruit of the Spirit is love. It's joy. It's peace, it's long-suffering, it's gentleness, it's goodness, it's faith, it's meekness, and it's temperance. One fruit. That brings us to the second thing. Okay? The first thing is that it's fruit, not works. Okay? The fruit does not come because of what I do, but rather the connection that I have. When I stay connected with Christ, I stay attached to the vine, the fruit is produced. The question is, are you bearing fruit? Are you bringing forth fruit in your life? If there's absolutely no fruit, then there might be a vine problem. It might be that you really are not in Christ. Because a natural response of being in Christ is bearing fruit. Now that is not up to us. I cannot look at your life and say, just because it looks like you're not bearing fruit, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt you're not saved. That's not up to me. That's between you and God. But if we look at our life and we can see there's nothing there. There's nothing on the outside. There's nothing being done for Christ. That is one of the evidences of salvation, is the fruit. So if there's no fruit, one of the immediate questions we should ask ourselves is, am I attached to the vine? Am I in Christ? Have I placed my faith and trust in him? And maybe that's something that needs to get settled today. But if we are in Christ, fruit should be bringing forth. And that brings us to letter B. It's fruit singular. It's fruit singular. 
It's not the fruits of the Spirit, but the fruit of the Spirit, singular, is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. The fruit of the Spirit is one fruit, you could say with nine seeds in it. It's, it's one fruit with nine different traits to describe what that fruit is. How many of you have ever seen those, uh, those Russian, um, I'm not sure exactly what they're called, those Russian dolls, it's like a big round thing, you open it up and inside is another one, you take that out and you open it up and inside is another one, you open that up, you know, it's on Toy Story and uh, they, they pop out. Um, what's that? Neskin? Nesting. Nesting doll. I don't have one. My mom used to have one. She had like one that had like four in it and we would take them out and eventually we lost one and so uh, she got upset with us. Uh, how many of you have one of those? Anybody have one? I wish I could have had you guys here and asked you so that you could bring it so that I could use it for the illustration this morning. But it, it's like it, the, the fruit of the Spirit is like one of those. You've got the fruit as a whole and then as you open it up and you start to pull it out, it, it makes it, it's, it's one doll, but it's being brought forth in nine different ways. It's being brought forth in nine different traits. It's being brought forth in nine different seeds. This is the only seed where nine different seeds bring forth nine different actual things. It's all in one fruit, though, okay? All in one fruit. It's fruit singular. And we've got to realize that it's, it's not that I, I can have all these individual different fruits in my life. No, if you are living after the Spirit of God, you're not living according to the flesh, you should be bringing forth the fruit of the Spirit as a whole. It just manifests itself outwardly in these nine different ways. But it's not that I can pick, okay, I want this fruit of the Spirit, which is love, and I want the fruit of the Spirit of joy, and I want the fruit of the Spirit of goodness, but I can do without the goodness, the, the long-suffering, and I can deal without the, uh, the meekness, and I can deal without the temperance, and, and you know, I, I can, let me have a couple of the fruit, fruit of the Spirit, fruits of the Spirit, no, that, but that's the way we say it a lot of times, it's the fruits of the Spirit, it's not, it's one fruit, one thing in our life that is being brought forth. And that brings us to number three, we've got to yield to the Spirit's control. You've got to yield to it. You've got to heed the warning about the flesh. You've got to understand the traits of the Spirit. And when you do those two things, you can begin to yield to the Spirit's control in your life. Not doing the fruit of the Spirit, but being the fruit of the Spirit. Yielding my life to His control and dying to self. Why do I have to die to self? Why can't I just have self-improvement in my life? Why won't that work? The sin nature. Is there anything to improve upon in myself? Not within my... I, I cannot, in and of myself, just decide... Like, a, like the world says we can, I cannot just decide today I'm going to improve myself. As I try to do that, I'm going to fail miserably. How many of you make a New Year's resolution? 
How many of you keep a New Year's resolution? Every single year, we, we start to do self-improvement. And every single year, we fail by the time February rolls around. When, when I desire to improve self, Paul said in Romans that within me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. There's none that doeth good. No, not one. Nobody in and of themselves can do what God wants them to do. We have to walk and live with the Spirit of God as the power to help that happen. Okay, we've got to walk after the Spirit. We've got to yield to the Spirit's control in my life. If I cannot improve myself by myself, then obviously there's somebody else that is needed to do that. that. That's the next most logical conclusion we can make. If I can't, maybe somebody else can. And not just somebody else. Okay, you cannot improve me. I cannot improve you. I would not want to try. I don't think you would want to try. Okay? We cannot do that. Only the Spirit of God and only giving Him control of my life. Okay? You begin, you know, you begin a workout program. You hire a trainer. He starts to tell you the things that you need and that your body needs and how to do it so that you can get the results that you want. If I say, that's great, but I'm going to do it my way, what's going to happen? <laughs> you're going to go home and you're going to probably say that was too hard and so I'm going to have a glass of milk and some Oreos. You know, when, when the trainer says, okay, you cannot eat these certain foods, you've got to go on a little bit of a diet along with your workout program, right? We go, no, I, I, really, I really don't need to do that. We are still in control of the decisions we are making, and there's not going to be any results in our life. But as you yield yourself to what the trainer knows is right and will help you, what are you going to see? Results, all right? God is our trainer. The Spirit of God is the one that is going to train us, the Spirit of God. And until we give him control and relinquish control of ourselves, there's not going to be any improvement. There's not going to be any fruit bearing. We've got to yield control to the Spirit of God in our life. Not doing the fruit of the Spirit, but being the fruit of the Spirit. There needs to be more of Christ seen and less of me seen. It's got to be Him. Galatians 2.20 says, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. That's the recipe for how to do this. Every single day we've got to wake up and say, God, my flesh is dead. It's been crucified. I'm giving you control. That's got to happen on a daily basis because every single day the flesh is going to wake back up and it's going to say, I want control. And we've got a choice to make. Am I going to yield or am I going to yield to the Spirit? 
Nevertheless, I live. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ that is living in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. The same faith we use to, to accept Christ and have salvation in our life is the same faith that we use to put trust in the power of the Spirit of God and give him control. It's the same action. If I can trust him for eternal salvation, for eternal life, and trust that he's going to give that to me, can I not trust him on a daily basis as well? To walk in the Spirit? How do we do this? Well, we do this by being the spiritual person. These three different people are mentioned in the Bible. The, the natural man, the carnal man, and the spiritual man. And the spiritual man is this person. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 15 and 16 follows what Paul said about the natural man. But he that is spiritual judgeth all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. For who hath known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. The natural man is not part of God. He cannot know God he, because those things are spiritually discerned. He, he doesn't, those things are foolishness. They don't make any sense to the natural man because he doesn't have Christ. But the spiritual man, the person who has faith in Christ, who has Christ in their life, who has the Spirit of God, begins to understand and begins to have the mind of Christ in their life. That's the, the Christ-directed life. And as we give Christ the power in our life, who's on the throne in this picture? Christ. I've taken myself out. I've relinquished the control. I've put Christ on the throne of my life. And now what is happening? You have the nine different fruit of the Spirit that are going to come forth. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering or patience, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. Right? You're going to produce, you're going to start to see a Christ-centered life. You're going to start seeing yourself empowered by the Holy Spirit. You're going to be directed by Him, and you're going to have His power. You're going to start introducing others to Christ as a result. You're going to start to see an effective prayer life where God is there, where He is meeting, where He is answering those prayers that you direct towards Him. You're going to begin to understand God's Word instead of not having any desire for it. It's going to start to seem real and start to seem alive. You're going to trust God. You're going to obey God. You're going to follow Christ. That's the spiritual man. That's the spirit-filled life. And let me say this. It is a choice of your will to give God complete control. It's a choice that you have to make. Every single person, every single one of us in here has to make that choice. If we don't make that choice, by default... Where are we going to live? In the flesh. That is my natural state. That is my default setting. So if I am not waking up every single day with the mind saying, I am giving control to the Spirit of God, I'm going to walk in the default setting. How many of you enjoy getting a new cell phone? I enjoy the newness of it, but the one thing that I hate is having to get it to the place where I can use it. 
I spend a couple of days, if not a week, tweaking settings, going through every single thing in the list. Okay, what does this phone have? What can this phone do that my phone, other phone didn't do? Oh, what does the default settings on this phone that I changed on my other phone and now I need to change again? How many of you like notifications? Turn those off. That's one of the first settings that gets changed. All notifications off. All automatic updates off. I don't want it. Okay? I want to be able to choose which updates I want to do because there's a lot in there that I don't want to be updated. I don't use it. And there's a lot in our life that the default settings are living after the flesh. There's a lot in our life where we have to go through and we have to say, nope, I need to change that because God's word says to. I need to do this differently because that's what God's word says to. I need to not go there because that's what God's word says not to do. I need to do this because that's what God's word, I, I need to not do that. And we start changing the settings in our life. And we start giving control to the Spirit of God. Why? Because the default settings are to live after the flesh. We've got to yield, and it's a choice that we make. Let me very quickly go through what are the fruit of the Spirit. Okay, the first one is love. Love. It's a selfless love. There, there are many different kinds of love as far as in the Greek language in the Bible uh, the one that we are talking about, the one that this passage is talking about, is agape love. It's a sacrificial love. It's the love that Jesus Christ showed and demonstrated when he died on the cross and gave his son for us. Without expecting anything in return. Okay? That is the type of love. And we have to make a choice to love that way. It's not a natural love. It's not a normal love. That's a love. I, again, just like the fruit of the Spirit, just like giving myself to, the, the, giving the control of the Spirit of God in my life is a choice I have to make, so I have to choose to love in a way that is honoring to Christ. That's why when, when a bride and groom stand at the altar and they say, I will love you in sickness and in health, for richer and for poorer, till death do us part, the good and the bad, Right? I'm choosing right now to love you regardless. doesn't matter what comes. That's a choice. And we have to choose to show this agape type of love. Joy, it's a calm delight in all of life's circumstances. We go through difficult things. We go through things that on the outside, on the outset, don't seem like something where we could have joy as we go through them. The reason we can have joy is because Christ is there as we go through them. It's not that I'm going to be happy. It's not that I'm going to not sorrow. It's not that I'm not going to cry at times. All of those things are going to come because we're human. But even in the sorrow, even in the, the, the difficulty, I can still have joy because I know Christ is there and Christ is in control of my life. It's a calm delight in all of life's circumstances. Peace, it's safe from harm in spirit, mind, and body. God says, I, I will be with you wherever you go. I'll watch over you. I'll provide for the needs that you have. There's safety in that. There's peace that comes from the safety that God provides. Long-suffering comes from two Greek words. 
Uh, macro, which means slow, and thumos, which means wrath. It means literally being slow to wrath. Patient. Long endurance. When I pull up to the traffic light, I don't immediately go, because the guy didn't drive forward when the light turned green. Right? I can't do that in my car because my car's horn doesn't work. So when I drive Becky's car, I take every opportunity I can to use the horn. But that's the way a lot of people are. They just look for the opportunity to be mad at somebody. This is the opposite of that. This is choosing that no matter what is going on, I'm going to be slow to bringing up wrath. I'm going to be patient in that. Gentleness, it's generous and kind. It's a softness in my manners. Goodness, it's an uprightness of heart. Virtue equipped at, at, and ready at every point. It's conforming our lives and conversations to behave benevolently toward others. A spirit-filled Christian desires to, be, to do good and be good for other people. It's a desire for goodness for others and to have good in other people's lives. Faith. In the book of Galatians, we see the word faith used in three different ways. The first one is in, is in chapter number one. It talks about the faith in reference to the gospel, faith for salvation. In chapter number three, it talks about faith, uh, or, or sorry, faith in reference to the gospel. In chapter three, it talks about faith in reference to actually trusting in the gospel, giving ourselves to Christ. But here in chapter number five is the third way that it's used, and it's, it literally means to have faithfulness in doing our Christian duties. Faith from chapter number one and chapter number three produce faithfulness in my life. Faith in God, believing in Him, trusting in Him, but then it produces the faithfulness towards Him in all areas of my life, which is also God's universal requirement for all Christians. It's required of a steward that a man be found faithful. The Holy Spirit is the resource that gives me the nutrients and the strength to make this fruit evident in my everyday life. Meekness is defined as a submissive or teachable spirit toward God that reveals itself in genuine consideration to others. Submissive or teachable spirit towards God, allowing God to teach me so that it reveals itself in a genuine consideration for others. What was Christ's main consideration for when he was here on earth? It's for people. He saw the multitudes. He was moved with compassion. That was our God. And so as we allow God to teach us, a natural response is compassion on other people, a desire for good towards them, a consideration towards them. And then temperance is just self-control. Discipline in our lives. A person knows what is best and has the self-control to act upon that knowledge. The Bible says to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. Self-control. But self-control is evident and reveals itself as I yield myself to the Spirit of God. Again, that's not going back to self-improvement. It's me, under the power of the Spirit of God, choosing to hold myself back. 
okay? Now, all of, these, all of these traits, all of these different aspects of the fruit of the Spirit all make up the fruit of the Spirit. One fruit. And they all build on another. If you don't have love, you can't have joy. If you don't have joy, you cannot have peace. If you don't have peace that God is there and that there's safety in his arms, how am I going to be patient with others? Long-suffering. How am I then going to take that patience and be gentle and good and exhibit faith and have meekness and desire for, for good for others and compassion toward others? and intemperance and self-control in my life. They all build on one another. If Paul had, in this letter, if he had said the fruit of the Spirit is love and left it at that, love would have encompassed all of the rest of this. He would have been okay to do that. Because with love comes all of these different things. If we don't have the love, we can't have the rest of these things. The fruit of the Spirit is one whole. But it starts and it's built upon in our lives. The question is, are you yielding yourself to the Spirit of God today? Are you willing to do that? Are you willing to give God full control in your life? Maybe this morning you still have not given control to the Lord and even inviting Him into your life. You've never put your faith and trust in Christ. Maybe that's what needs to take place today. If that has already taken place, if there's no fruit, maybe you need to say, you know what? God, I need fruit. I know I'm saved. I know I've, but I need to grow. I need to attach myself to Christ. I need to get into the Word of God. I need to be more faithful. And then every single day, we might need to say, you know what? Today, I, I haven't been yielding myself to the Spirit of God. And so starting today and starting tomorrow morning, I'm going to wake up and I'm going to give God, I'm going to give the Spirit control in my life starting off at the beginning of the day. Is the fruit of the Spirit evident in your life? Are you giving the Spirit of God control? Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the day you've given us. Lord, we love you. And thank you for loving us. Thank you for the Word of God. Thank you for uh, its challenge to us in our lives. Lord, I pray you'd help us this morning to realize the need that we have to yield ourselves to the Spirit of God. Lord, I pray that you'd help us uh, Lord, to every single day we wake up that we would give you control. Lord, if there's one that still has not uh, answered the call to, to give their life to you, to, to trust you for salvation, Lord, I pray that this morning they would do that. Lord, I pray that you'd bless in this invitation time. Lord, work in hearts and may the decisions that are made be honoring and pleasing to you. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. With your